Hello and welcome to the Royal Central podcast from royalcentral.co.uk. I'm Lydia Starbuck, the Associate Editor. I'm Brittany Barger, the Deputy Editor. And I'm Jess Isles, Senior Royal Reporter and Editorial Assistant. And this is um, our latest podcast looking at, at the... Um, the antics of the House of Windsor, we seem to say that with alarming frequency now when we record these kind of news-based podcasts, but it's been another busy week for the House of Windsor, even though the pandemic is still affecting what they can actually do going out and about, though we have had an upsurge um, in engagements, and we'll probably have a chat about that as we go through the podcast. But the main focus for the House of Windsor, for lots of people this week, has been Diana. 25 years on almost since her death a new report into how that um i don't know what we describe it as now the panorama interview conducted by martin bashir do we say famous do we say infamous it has been the subject of a new report into how he gained the interview it's found he used what have been described as deceitful methods to do it and of course it's brought a strong reaction from many people most notably from diana's sons from william and from harry so it's been another controversial week for the Windsors really hasn't it and and that Diana report is right at the heart of it yeah um I mean we knew that the investigation was going on and that we'd get the report um and once the information had come out we even we had discussed you know that Harry and William would make some sort of a statement um and then later that evening both of them released they're pretty scathing, powerful words against what had happened. Um, and both of them had a right to speak out. That's their mother. They they lost her when they were young. Um, they, they, they were the two that needed to speak out, nobody else. Yeah, so William went first, didn't he? We got William's statement first, and he actually... he. Um, he read it out. That was a surprise to me, actually, because we knew that we'd get a written yeah. statement. But actually to hear him voicing the words to me, that was a surprise. It almost gave it more power, didn't it? There was something really striking about seeing him in the fading twilight giving voice to his feelings. Yes. And I don't think he's ever really done that before. Has he with personal statements? This was the first video that we've ever gotten of him making a statement, which lent it more gravitas, in my opinion. Yeah, and he, I mean, it was it was a really strong statement, wasn't it? It was, it was very, it was very full. It covered a lot of areas. It used some really striking language. So the the report that we're talking about, the Dyson report, had looked into how Martin Bashir got the interview with Diana, Princess of Wales, back in 1995, and it found that he had faked bank statements, something that had been looked into before that he'd used what were called deceitful methods, and then the BBC. Um, that makes Panorama, the management at the BBC then came out, offered lots of apologies, said there would be, you know, further investigations looking into how journalism was conducted. But this very stark statement that Diana, according to this report, had had been deceived as a way of ensuring she gave the interview to, to, to one particular programme, to one particular journalist, that really brought some some really harsh language from William. He He didn't hold back, did he? No, he didn't. And he directly said that the interview caused issues and led to the divorce of both of his parents. Um, we, we obviously know that that was a catalyst for the Queen saying, 
hey, you guys have to get divorced now. Um, I mean, he did stress that freedom of the press was good, but people need to take responsibility for what they had done. And he also, probably rightfully so, said that he didn't want this interview to ever be aired again. Yeah, and that's raised some eyebrows, hasn't it? Because some people have suggested that's kind of, in a way, attempting to alter the past. The interview happened. We we don't know now whether Diana would have given that interview had she realised that she was being deceived. Had she had she not seen, you know, this fake information that was presented to her to make her feel that telling her story was perhaps more imperative at the time. We'll never know whether she would have gone ahead with an interview like that, with that particular interview, without all of that happening. The implication seems to be it's most likely that she wouldn't have done. But she did give the interview and the things were said. And as you said, Brittany, now William's suggesting that that interview shouldn't be played again. It's one of the most famous royal sources of the late 20th century, isn't it? We've all seen clips yeah. of it so many times. But it, yeah, it, that was a really striking thing, wasn't it? To say, actually put it away let's not go there again I think that could also be like a comment on the crown and other shows like it because we're next season of the crown will be the 90s and the wars of the Waleses so I think that could also be interpreted as leave that leave that story alone don't tell it in an incorrect way if you're going to tell that story you have to focus on how the interview was obtained it wasn't her blowing up the monarchy it was a desperate woman giving an interview under false pretenses. That was an interesting point. I hadn't actually thought of of it from that perspective, but that's a really good point with the the next season of the crown that's going to be coming out. That will be that, that decade. Yeah. Cause he said he didn't want to air it again, but is that something that like BBC throws up on the screen every now and again, like puts on the schedule? So, no, you're right. I mean, it's not. It's, yeah, it's not like it's not like Dad's Army, is it? It's not being repeated every Saturday evening. Yeah. On <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, as you say, actually, now we probably need to factor in when we look at that that part of history, how Diana came to find herself sat down opposite Martin Bashir, and as you said at the time in her life, she was very lonely. She felt very isolated. Her separation, well, she'd been separated for about three years, but there was no sign of a divorce on the, on the, the horizon, as you mentioned, Brittany. But she, mu- she must have felt very isolated, very by herself. And, and you know, this was always seen as, as her way of expressing how she felt. But, of course, now we know she was manoeuvred into it in a deceitful manner. And that's something that, that Harry was focusing on as, as well in his statement wasn't it we his was a written statement it was published like moments after William's statement um came out but he focused very much on his mother's personality didn't he on her his mother's life on her legacy and and on how she had been acting around the time he talked about her being resilient and brave unquestionably honest but of course the pain was still there about what she had gone through without really ever knowing she'd gone through it mm-hmm um, I mean, like we said, Harry had a every right to speak out as well. I mean, this was his mother, just like it was Williams. Yeah. We don't know if they both kind of discussed the report 
ahead of time together and kind of said, hey, I'm going to write about this. You write about that or or what? I'm, we'll never know. That's their personal lives and we all should respect that. Um, but his, his his remarks had a very different tone than Williams, I think that would say. And I'm not saying that's a bad tone. It's just that they were very different. You know, he he was very much focusing, like you said, Lydia, on his mother's personality. Um, and he was more, I guess, I don't want to say attack mode, but he was more direct in his opinion on the media. Let's yeah. just, let me put it that way. I think Harry used his statement as like a blanket attack against the media and like the practices that they use to get his mother's interview. And that, as he says, they're still using today. Whereas Williams were more focused on this one event. I mean, he did go out of his way at the end of his statement to mention how important the freedom of the press is. And for all the good and all the bad they did, we never would have found out about all of this if a reporter had looked into it. So. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, William was able to separate. I mean, he's probably just as angry and, and upset, but his tone was different. Mm-hmm. I think maybe William's tone was very Windsor, I yeah. guess we could say. Very, very Windsor, very future king tone. Whereas Harry's was more, I'd say his was more Spencer in his, because his reaction kind of mirrored if you think about it the way his uncle was at diana's funeral so you know his reaction was very much like his maternal family yeah and we did we didn't have any reaction did we from the house of windsor in general it was it was william and harry who spoke um obviously earl spencer has made comments following the report being published but from the kind of royal family's perspective it's come through Diana's sons and it's kind of been left there. So obviously the report's out there. We don't know if there'll be any further repercussions from it. We know Martin Bashir left the BBC the week before the report was published. Um, and we know that the way journalism is done will be reviewed and looked at going forward. But as you say, Brittany, it did kind of highlight the differences between the two boys in many ways. I still keep calling them boys. I'm showing my age. My goodness, William will be 40 next year. I just don't just sound like a maiden aunt. The boys, <laughs> they're, they're men with families. They're grown men. Um, but like you were saying, we got a Windsor reaction and a Spencer reaction. But in a way, this whole week has shown us how the paths of these two men have diverged. And right now, as we record this podcast, um, Prince William, the Earl of Strathern, as he is known in Scotland, is in Edinburgh and he's got a big role on behalf of the Queen. He is kind of doing the Scotland week that the Queen used to do before the pandemic. We've got a week of engagements with him and Kate. So there's William in Holyrood surrounded by the pageantry and there's Harry near Hollywood surrounded (laughs) by kind of all the trappings of celebrity because they've both been everywhere over the last few days. William, because of this, you know, very important set of royal duties, Harry, because his programme with Oprah about mental health, the me you can't see, has just dropped. I think that's what you young people say. It doesn't get broadcast anymore, does it? <laughs> it like appears on streaming platforms and you do all amazing things with phones and computers and, and watch things. But that programme is out now as well. It's been much talked about. But so we've got Harry talking about his mental health, how he feels the royal family has treated him. 
it's not positive. You may have guessed that bit already. William doing what we've been seeing Windsor's doing for decades and decades and decades. The paths are splitting, aren't they? They are. And in um, William's speech this morning, there was a whole section in there about how much Scotland means to him and to his family and how he, his grandmother's happiest when she's at Balmoral and how his father finds walking in nature there to be one of his favorite hobbies. And it's where he met Kate. The kids are spending their time at Balmoral too. So talking about his family in that respect versus Harry talking about his family <laughs> in a completely different respect. It's just polar opposites in every way. One's very dedicated to his royal duties and his future as king, whereas the others, the, the not really even the spare anymore, because there's no three he has three or two nephews and a niece now that have kind of stepped in there so he he really has he doesn't have to worry about being the spare anymore harry can relax on that and i, I think he has <laughs> he, he, he he's very he's adapt he's adopted the california i mean i'm american so um that california laid back style of or approach to things california has the very has a very unique outlook and everything here in the u.s like i I don't know how to explain it if you're american you know what i'm talking about (laughs) if you're not american you don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) but it's, it's like texas texas is very unique to texas california is very unique to california so he he's he's adopted excuse me to california very much and it is like it's completely different from anything that we really kind of do on a regular basis here in the uk so like a load of the papers today we're recording on may the 22nd have got photos of harry from this program he's seen having therapy isn't he so he's got his hands across his um chest on his shoulders and his eyes closed you know i mean that's that's kind of that's as you can imagine that's not really you know the kind of thing us Brits feel terribly comfortable with on a day-to-day basis we're kind of we are a bit you know it's true it maybe it's a stereotype but we are a bit more kind of more tvicker than hey come watch my therapy we're all but I go lovely very nice hope it works for you um yes right in California is very hey watch my therapy so like he's he's adopted the california laid back way of life and that's probably where maybe some of the issues come from and i think we've discussed this on the podcast before about you know the attitude towards harry and megan changing to a certain degree among certain parts of the population here in the uk some of it it does come down to just culture differences doesn't it it's you know their their outlook perhaps just doesn't necessarily chime with the outlook of you know people in all parts of the UK and then other parts of it do but we've kind of focused on one of the lighter bits like you know we're we're talking about feeling slightly you know oh look at that on the front of the paper you know there's the Queen's grandson with his arms across his chest having therapy but there's also been quite a lot of negativity around those programs because of Harry again going into how his experiences as a member of the royal family have made him feel 
not happy would perhaps be a diplomatic way of putting it yeah he's kind of gone he's gone on the attack again I think that there's a difference this time too because when the Oprah interview came out there were so many sympathetic articles to Harry and Meghan I yet to find one this time even like in outlets that you would expect would be sympathetic like People magazine or BuzzFeed the comments are just overwhelmingly negative and a lot of it too can you've got to think of the timing yes Prince Philip died just a little over a month ago so it's kind of the timing I think yeah is is impacting that because when he's saying how his father was raised he's indirectly talking about how the queen and prince philip raised his father and prince philip has sadly passed on and the queen is obviously i mean naturally still going to be in mourning and will be for quite a while um so i i think that could be a lot of the issues that people think that it's been some really bad timing and maybe disrespect to his grandfather who he was close to I mean if you think back to Diana's funeral you know Philip walked walked with them you know he was the one that encouraged both boys to do it you know so uh, the timing is I think really like I said just timing is off timing is off I mean and obviously Philip can't defend himself even if that's something the royal family did it's been said many times over the last few months since the Oprah interview the royal family don't really answer back that's one of the things maybe one of the things that Harry and Meghan found difficult that you that you you don't expect senior royals at least to answer every single criticism in the press so to a certain extent you you weren't going to hear from them but obviously Philip can't answer back now, even if that was the royal family policy. So that probably factors into it as well, doesn't it? I do wonder as well if we've kind of, if we're feeling a bit of a saturation effect, because there's been a lot of talk about feelings over the last few months. And it's, yeah, it's all good to talk about your feelings, but maybe we've reached the point where people have heard it so many times, they're not necessarily feeling it you kind of get a bit desensitized to it maybe yeah desensitized that make that's a that's a good way to put it so they're not able to feel the sympathy towards harry or anything because it's been so overwhelming i saw a tweet i saw a tweet and i think it was an itv reporter who said something along the lines of we've learned how much how much more is there to learn about Prince Harry at this point and how soon do we get there? And I think they really run the risk of, like you said, the oversaturation and because like I was that like I was saying earlier about the negative comments, a lot of them are you wanted privacy, you didn't want this public life. So why do you keep doing these interviews? And I think if they just focused on what Archwell is gonna do and stuff like that it would be better for them but constantly going to the media and and trashing the royal family when they won't respond it's just yeah it's not it's not going to work for them in the long run I don't think 
yeah and you do wonder whether that's kind of starting to filter through because obviously all of life's about interaction isn't it if you suddenly realize that maybe you're not getting your message across because people feel overwhelmed by the number of times you're saying it maybe that has a ripple effect we'll have to wait and see I mean but there will be positive stories for the Sussexes in the weeks to come because we're we're expecting the arrival of baby Sussex number two which uh, we know Megan's um, due kind of summertime although in the UK at the moment it's like November because it's been (laughs) raining non-stop and it's freezing cold and we're all still wearing our big duvet coats Um, it is allegedly almost summer so we know baby Sussex arrives early summertime Mm -hmm. around then and we know, of course, she's a girl. So we've got all of that to look forward to. And I think that's probably where you end up sort of having one of these kind of rabbit hole discussions about the Sussexes, don't you? They they kind of say, well, the media is so negative to us. But we know everyone will be really, really happy when baby arrives. We all love the happy news of, of a baby. Healthy mummy, healthy baby, everything having gone well. Right. Oh, yeah. And um here, here in the U.S., it's very much summer. I'm, I'm in Tennessee, <laughs> and I can tell you that it's very much summer. It was flurrying um, here last week, so it's not summer in Canada. <laughs> well, um, it, it's 90 degrees right now, so in Tennessee, so it's it's summer. Um, I'll share some heat with you if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for those of you listening that are obviously not American, um, Memorial Day in the U.S. is the unofficial start to summer. And that is May 31st, I believe is the date this year. And so I I think by, based off of the photos that we, we've seen of Megan and yeah. the size of her bump and everything, I, I would say that when she says she's doing summer, that it's probably early Sooner June. Rather. Because I would say they're basing it. Yeah, I, I feel like they're basing it off of Memorial Day because that's a like, bit the american thing and obviously they're here in the u.s um summer doesn't start till the end of june but i don't see her making it to the end of june no. so I, I think it i think the baby girl sussex will be here in the next few weeks definitely which is like you said it's happy news baby yeah. everybody and it's a baby it. girl and there are so few baby girls born in royal families these days we, we got to celebrate that oh yeah <laughs> Take the pink while we can. Now, we do have yes. a chance of another baby girl in 2021, don't we? Because there was more happy baby news for the House of Windsor this week. Baby news. <laughs> oh, very good. See what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Beatrice. Yay. Uh, uh, we're all happy for her, I think. But, yeah, she's expecting her first child with her husband. So she'll be a mummy in, yeah. She'll be a mummy in autumn. autumn, won't she? Yeah. The baby's this, <laughs> the baby's due in autumn. So it was announced. It was announced on May the nineteenth. We'll just leave that date hanging there for anyone that wants to go thinking about dates. But it was announced on May the nineteenth by the royal family that Beatrice is expecting her first baby with Eduardo, and of course their their little girl or little boy will be um, a siblings for um, his son because he has a he has a son, doesn't he, from a previous relationship who's known as Wolfie. Mm-hmm. And they'll, this new baby will be pretty close in age to little August. So yes. Beatrice and Eugenie will have babies that are close in age. And Eugenie is obviously very excited for her big sister with her little post. Not little post. What am I saying? Her post on Instagram for World Bee Day. Yeah, that was adorable. Yeah. 
It was, wasn't it? It was really sweet. And that was the day after that Beatrice announced her her happy news. So, um, yeah, we've got baby. So um, uh, a second grandchild for the Duke of York and Sarah Duchess of York in 2021. And it will be the fourth, no, fifth, fourth great grandchild for the Queen in this 2021. Year. Yeah. 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 And the 12th overall. Too yeah. many numbers for me. I don't do numbers. <laughs> I'm really bad. You might have guessed there for me, not even being able to count to four. But yes, and it, and of course, it's a positive, isn't it? Because there will be sadness. This will be the first great grandchild born that Prince Philip won't be alive to hear about. We we know in all likelihood he never met August Brooksbank or Lucas Tyndall, who were born in the last weeks of his life because of the pandemic, because of restrictions. But he knew that they had arrived kind of hope that Beatrice had a chance maybe to tell yeah. him she was expecting before before he passed away mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's a it is a happy moment is it? it's it's something to look forward to and probably as you say Jess another boy because we we don't <laughs> <have any laughs> seems like all the babies in the house of Windsor are coming out as boys so <laughs> But we'll see. So that's that's something to look forward to in autumn. And of course, all of the news will be on royalcentral.co.uk as well as our social media, including our Instagram, royal.central. And we will have, I am sure, some kind of royal baby special podcast <laughs> as, uh, as we approach that event. But thank you for listening to this podcast and we'll see you soon. Thanks now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.